Hey, good morning, everyone. All right, glad to hear you're awake. Hey, it is cool to be here this morning here with you, La Habra crew. That's, that's what I call you if you're okay with that. La Habra crew, does that work? Um, I just have to say it's really cool for multiple, multiple reasons. It's my second time here. I, I was able to sneak in before you guys launched, um, I think the week maybe before the official launch, and it was it's like, wow, God is really moving in your midst. And I, I was thinking before I came here, like, boy, what, is, what have we gone through to get to this point? I, I was on staff as a pastoral intern back in 2006, and I remember at that point there were just some people talking and dreaming in leadership about what would it look like to be a multi-site church to where we had multiple locations and there was uh, seeking to raise up leaders and to train people to, for discipleship and um, to share the gospel and to make a difference in their area. And I remember La Habra was one of those things that we talked about back then. And it's just crazy to think that dreams can become reality, right? That God is a good God, he's a big God, and this is just, you guys are here. <laughs> this, is, this is happening. <laughs> this is really cool. And I've been at, at Uptown working since 2010, so I'm going on five years working with Uptown. And our Uptown launch uh, was was uh, 2011, Easter 2011, so we're going to have our four-year anniversary, and, and I'm excited about that. Yeah, praise God. Praise God. He's... But uh, I just want to hopefully be an encouragement to you. Um, I want to thank you for being here. This is a big deal, and uh, you guys do a great job. This looks so cool in here, and all the work that goes into setting things up, and the band, and the kids. I walked back through all the kids uh, I wasn't able to do that last time. I saw this time, and I was like, whoa, this is a cool setup here. And uh, just thank you if you're a guest. Thank you for coming. Um, but I want to encourage you. Uh, we at Uptown, we actually did the whole setup every week thing, too. We know what, you're, we know what you are, are living. And uh, we did that for three years, actually. So we really know what you're going through. So keep it up. Good work. Work hard. Um, God is honoring all of the work that you're doing. It's, it's unto him. So... Um, would you pray with me as we, as we get started this morning? Lord, thank you so much for how um, you love us and you're with us. Thank you for this church, Lord, Redemption Hill, that you are moving in your direction to want to make disciples, Lord, to want to share the gospel, who want to have an impact in our community, in our lives. Lord, I thank you for La Habra and for how you're growing them and how you're working in them and you're building them. You're building this group. You're building our whole church to be people who want to follow Jesus, who want to preach Jesus, want to share and show Jesus. And so, Lord, bless us this morning. We pray that we would encounter you. Lord, we'd continue to encounter you this morning. Um, we've had chances through song and connection with people, and we pray that we'd connect through your word this morning. So please bless um, us as we, we see what you have to say for us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Well, this morning um, I'm going to... You know, I don't always preach here, so I, I kind of feel like a guest, and that's okay. Although, we're, we're family. We really are, like, extended family sort of a thing. We're, <laughs> we're part of each other's uh, church. But I'm going to do something to try to hopefully make us feel comfortable. I'm going to be vulnerable with you guys. I hope, hope you're okay with that. Just feel like, okay, who's this guy? Um, I'm going to let you into a little bit of an insecurity of mine. I'm guessing that I'm not the only one in the room with insecurities. So hopefully you'll be able to connect with me on some level that uh, you don't like everything about yourself and wish things were different. But um, this morning, um, I want to share about something that has been a part of my life since I was born. Um, I, well, not since I was born, but a long time. 
actually since I was born. But um, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm insecure about the fact that I speak English. You're like, what? No, no, no. Yeah, I'm serious. I'm insecure about the fact that I speak English. And you're like, that's not weird. You're like, no, it isn't. But it's weird when you're brown. Sorry, I'm Mexican. Okay. <laughs> And my name is Joaquin Garcia, if you haven't figured that part out. My full name is Israel Joaquin Garcia. And the reason why it's a, I'm a little bit insecure is because I'm supposed to say, my name is Israel Joaquin Garcia. <laughs> I'm supposed to be, uh, or at least there's certain pressures with, amongst certain, uh, if, I'm just going to call myself brown people. Are you okay with that? Because it doesn't offend me, so I'll say that, okay? Amongst certain brown people, I'm supposed to uh, talk a certain way and pronounce things a certain way. And I'm supposed to speak Spanish, and I don't speak Spanish all that well. And so it's actually been an insecurity for me because of my family. I mean, I'm, I'm all Mexican. My dad's all Mexican. My mom's all Mexican. I'm all Mexican. And I grew up in a house that spoke primarily English, and so we didn't get a chance to, to speak Spanish all that much. In fact, my grandparents are all Spanish, very broken English. So I, would, I know a lot of Spanish. I just have never been forced to speak it. And so... Um, you know, at school, it became more of an insecurity because um, I didn't fit into the Brown Club, you know, into the Spanish Club, into the Puente program. There's all these things that I actually wanted to be a part of so I can get scholarships or just be a part of what's going on. And the people who were there were like, yeah, you don't speak Spanish, so you can't be in our club. <laughs> I was like, but I'm Mexican. I'm full blood. Like, right? Um, and it, but what's actually kind of funny about this is it's been an insecurity enough to where sometimes when you're insecure, you kind of want to cover up for it, right? So I can speak with pronunciation okay. So like I can, when we're ordering Mexican food, like I can kill it, right? <laughs> I'm just like, you know, you may, you may listen to me and you're just like, okay, this guy speaks Spanish. I'm just like, si, sí, dos burritos de carnitas y todos con cebollas y salsa. Like that. Dos horchatas, por favor. Grande, grande. Right? So like, I can kill it when it comes to like ordering or, or doing that sort of thing. But, you know, you push me any further than that, I'm like, don't ask me anything else, <laughs> right? Like, nothing. In fact, I have this thing that my wife, like, will, will either laugh or roll her eyes at or both that I say all the time, and it's basically to try to sound like I can speak Spanish. And I'll be like, sí, sí, claro que sí. Por supuesto. Desde luego. Sí. And I'm just saying, like, yes, of course, of course, yes, of course, of course, of course. I'm saying it multiple times. And it's just like, oh, you could say, of course, five ways. <laughs> that was Spanish three. Thank you. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I, I share that because actually, the, the, like, one of the main reasons why I don't speak Spanish, uh, unfortunately, is because my mom wanted to make sure that we didn't have an accent. And the reason why my mom wanted to make sure we didn't have an accent is because when she went to school, um, in high school, she had a counselor who heard the way she talked, she, she, I mean, she speaks English just fine, but he figured out that she spoke Spanish, and he said, okay, then you're supposed to be in the Spanish-speaking classes. And she's like, I speak English, like, I'm like everybody else. And he's like, no, you speak Spanish, so you should be in those classes. And, and what ended up happening was, she, it was like way slower, and she's like, I don't need to be here like this. Uh, yeah, I can talk with these people, but I'm supposed to be in these other classes. And um, she had a really negative experience, and she felt discriminated against, unfortunately. And, and it really affected her, and she grew up in a way where she said, my kids are going to speak English, and they're going to speak it well. Now, I don't know if, if she succeeded at us speaking English well, 
but, but I didn't, um, I grew up in a house where we weren't forced to speak Spanish. In fact, it was okay that we spoke English. And so now I'm going like, I, I interact with people. It's, it's not an exaggeration, maybe a weekly conversation. Oh, Joaquin, oh, you're Mexican. You speak Spanish, right? And there's this kind of check that happens every time that happens. And I've said it enough. I have like a spiel now to where I go, you know, like, oh, yeah, you know, I grew up and, you know, my grandparents and I can understand it really well, but I don't speak it all that much. But if I was forced to, I could speak Spanish. Like I have a little like 30-second thing that I do because I get asked all the time or just people assume, right? Oh, you're, you're Mexican. You speak Spanish. And it's like, well, I tell you that story because... Um, my life, personally, has been affected by somebody being prejudiced, having a discrimination, or putting, maybe even labeling my mom in such a way that made her feel like an outsider. And that has had a profound effect on my life. And what's, what's true, actually, about this is that humans do this naturally. Humans make assumptions and humans make distinctions and humans put labels on everything. They want to make sense of the world. It's not, there's actually nothing wrong in and of itself to try to categorize things and make sense of the world. But what we might do unintentionally or maybe even intentionally is when we make distinctions among people, it can really create this insider-outsider situation. And this morning, we're actually going to see in Scripture how when it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ... There's no distinctions among people. Everyone has access equally to God. And God wants to make sure that we learn that from Acts chapter 10. So if you can open up your Bibles with me this morning, we're going to be continuing our study of Acts chapter 10, or in the book of Acts. And if you need a Bible, I believe there should be Bibles. Like, raise your hand. We can get one to you. They come at the edge of the, the aisles there. So let us know if that's a, an issue for you. Um, we can get you those. But we'll be in Acts chapter 10, and if you remember, if you've been with us during this series, it's been, an, I'm really encouraged by this, by this series. The book of Acts is an incredible book of the story of a Christian history of where we've come from since Jesus came back, or since he resurrected and, and commissioned his followers and said, you will be my witnesses in Jer Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and all the earths, and we've been seeing the followers of Jesus preach the gospel and love each other and, and, and serve people. And we've been seeing this gospel message move out with power. And we've seen signs and wonders and miracles validating that God is in this movement. And we're at a point now in chapter 10 where, um, the, if you will, the progression in the book is that we're moving outward, out from the Jewish area, out from the city of Jerusalem, out into Judea and Samaria in chapter 10. There's this shift in chapter 8 where uh, we see the gospel move out out of, out of Jerusalem. And so now we're in a point where we're in a very, very significant passage of Scripture, actually, um, that talks about the gospel moving into other areas and specifically being available for other types of peoples other than Jewish people into the Gentile lands, into the Gentile peoples. And so we're going to see... That story. This is what I want to do. We actually have a long story. It's one of the larger passages. So I, what I want to do is if you're taking notes and it's helpful for you, I'm going to give you the big idea right up front. And that way you can just sort of like, okay, this, this is what's going on. And then that way it'll give us time to sort of read through the story and pick things up from there. So if you take notes and it's helpful for you, you can write this. God is powerfully reaching 
people from every language and background. God is powerfully reaching people from every language and background. The second part, by, how does he do that? By teaching his followers to love without distinctions. By teaching his followers to love without distinctions. And so altogether, God is powerfully reaching people from every language and background by teaching his followers to love without distinctions. And so we're going to be, uh, Acts chapter 10, we're going to see the story of Cornelius and Peter and how God brings them together with visions to be able to share the gospel to other people. So if you could follow me, starting in verse 1, we'll hear about Cornelius' vision. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people, and prayed continually to God. About the ninth hour of the day, which is about 3 o'clock p.m., he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius, and he stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him. And having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. So we'll take a quick break here and introduce our first character, Cornelius. He is a Roman centurion. He is not a Jew. He's Roman. And he is in the military, in fact, specifically a centurion, which means he would have been over roughly about 100 men. He would have been a powerful, influential man. And actually, because he was a centurion, he probably would have been socially prominent and wealthy. They made a lot more money than other types of military soldiers. And it also tells us, okay, it's not just not a Jew, he's, you know, Roman. It also tells us a bit about what he believes and how he acts. It says he's a devout man, a God-fearer who continually prays and generously gives. This is a man who believes in God, who prays to God, who gives generously to other people to honor God. This is... And yet, even though he believes the right things and does very good things, he would have been considered an outsider. He would have been considered not one of the people of God because he was not Jewish. And there's going to be issues like he didn't do particular Jewish type things, like didn't, he didn't eat particularly Jewish foods, or he wasn't circumcised. He was a God-fearer. So even though he was close, he still was on the outside, Oh, we're glad you believe in the right God, but you're still not one of us. And so that's important for the story. Let's keep reading in, in Peter as he has his vision now in verse 9. And the next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. It's about noontime. And he became hungry. It makes sense if it's noon. He became hungry and wanted something to eat, but while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. Verse 12, in it, on the sheet, were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, by no means, Lord. 
For I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time. What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and the things were taken up at once to heaven. So Peter now gets this vision, and he's hungry, praying on the rooftop. And it's, I actually think it's kind of funny. Like, he's hungry on the rooftop, and he's, <laughs> he falls into a trance going, Oh, I'm praying, but I'm so hungry. And I think it's kind of, it's kind of mean a little bit, because I'm hungry. And then he gets this picture of all these foods. But foods he can't eat. It's like, oh, that's kind of messed up a little bit. But actually, there's a, there's a lesson. That's, that's why it's happening. There's a lesson that's coming. And he's like, go ahead. You're hungry. Eat. Kill. And uh, he's like, but I can't eat these foods. I've never eaten these foods. These are unclean. Let's keep reading in verse uh, 17. Now, Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean. Behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate. Bing! These guys pop up. Like, they made it right at that time. And while Peter was pondering the vision, that's important, he was thinking about what was going on, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. And Peter went down to the men and said, I'm the one you're looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man who is well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. So they invited them in as guests. So here's what's going on in the story. We see Cornelius, who's this outsider. He believes in God. He actually tries to live for God as much as he can, but he's not fully in. We have Peter now, um, and Cornelius gets his vision to call for Peter. Peter now comes on the scene, and he gets this vision. I'm hungry in a trance on the top of the roof. And he sees all these animals, but they're unclean animals. I think we should talk a little bit about that, uh, just kind of quickly to get the landscape. I want to... Let me talk about three different categories there would have been for people to understand what was clean and unclean and holy. Um, first, first category is things that were holy, things that were connected to God himself, like the temple and like priests and, and certain types of foods that would have been acceptable for sacrifices, like unblemished things, perfect things, pristine things. This is this category of holy things that uh, very, there's kind of a small category of very important things. This middle category had to do with things that were considered pure or clean. That was like the people of Israel. They were considered pure and clean because they ate a certain way and they, they, they lived a certain way that was specifically distinct from the peoples around them. So they only ate, ate food uh, that made them clean. And this third category was this unclean category or common category, meaning just like, it's just like everybody else. Everybody else eats a certain way, does things a certain way. They're on the outside, and we're trying to, Israel's trying to distinguish themselves from the world. And so there's this third category, unclean or common. And so when Peter goes, I've never eaten anything unclean or common, he's saying, I've never eaten anything like a non-Jew. I've always done my part, and I've always you know, followed these rules. And um, Cornelius, because he's not a Jew, he would he would be a part of this um, unclean category. And so God sent a message to Peter, and did you notice that he had to repeat it three times? Did you catch that? I love Peter. Peter's my boy. 
because I, I, I really, I feel like he and I are similar. It's not always a good thing because I'm falling where he's falling. But, you know, I need things repeated to me lots of times. And did you notice he kind of argued with God? <laughs> Peter, kill, you're hungry, kill, rise and eat. And he's like, nah, I don't do that. Like, you're hearing a voice from heaven, Peter. Th- three times. I think part of that is because this is a big deal, what's going on right now. God is actually changing history. He says there's a new program and there's a new way to do things. And, you know, these previous distinctions about food, that's going away. In fact, I'm really grateful for this passage because that means we get all the bacon. I mean, bacon is on the list. (laughs) So we just recently had a lunch where we had this, like, bacon ragu onion thing, and I'm just like, praise God for Acts 10. It's beautiful. <laughs> but um, yeah, so in this, this part, you know, the, the Cornelius has a vision, Peter has a vision, and God is doing something. He's trying to teach everybody a lesson. He's trying to show that he's, uh, he's moving history in a different way. So let's, uh, let's keep going with the story, and we'll, we'll pick it up in uh, the, the middle of verse 23, that next section. It says, the next day he rose and went away with them, Peter, with some of the brothers from Joppa uh, accompanied him. And on the following day he entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. And when Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet, at Peter's feet, and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up saying, stand up. I too am a man. Dude, chill out. Stand up. Don't worship me. Verse 27, and as he talked with him, he went in and found many persons gathered. And he said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for you, I came without objection, and I asked then why you sent for me. Let me just stop here. Did you notice what Peter said about what he heard from God? Uh, I didn't catch this until several times reading it. In verse 28, Peter is with the crowd, or with not a crowd, in the house there with uh, all the ones who are gathered, and he said to them, you yourselves know how it is unlawful uh, it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. We can't do this. We're supposed to be distinct. But God's working through a vision. And what does he say? God has shown me that I should not call any person common or clean. Did that word person ever come up in the vision? What was he talking about in the vision? He's talking about food, right? I mean, he showed, I mean, he was hungry and, and Peter was on the roof and God goes, rise, kill and eat this food. Don't call it common anymore. And through a series of Peter thinking, he was perplexed. What does this mean? What's going on? Peter, by the, by the power of the Holy Spirit, is putting together that there is something new that is changing. You know what? If this food is no longer something that distinguishes us, I shouldn't make distinctions among people either. And this is really significant because this is like setting up a, or this is kind of threatening a major Jewish understanding of the Old Testament. 
God is changing things through this vision right here, and he's working through Peter and through Cornelius. Let's read how then he's saying, hey, there's no more distinctions. People have access to God, even the Gentiles, and so we're going to see how then Peter gets it, and he's going to share the gospel. So let's I love this. If you skip down to verse 34, I love this first part. Peter opened his mouth. Really important thing we need to do if we want to share the gospel, right? Peter opened his mouth and said, truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. Jesus is Lord of every tribe, tongue, and nation. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, all Judea, beginning with Galilee, after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and he went doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. And he put him to death. They put him to death. Jesus died by hanging him on a tree. And not only he died, but what makes Christianity possible. But God, verse 40, raised him on the third day and made him appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. And to him, the prophets, all the prophets, bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. And as Peter is, is probably getting worked up, if we know Peter, about, no, Jesus, you know Jesus. He's, he's available. And there's, there's, he did miracles. And, and he lived. And he, he substituted himself. And he died. And then he rose again. God raised him up. And we saw him. I could witness to the fact that this is a real thing. As he's preaching the gospel and their need for forgiveness, what happens? The Holy Spirit shows up and like basically cuts him off. It's amazing. Let's read this. Verse 44. While Peter was still saying these things, in the midst of it, while it was happening, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed. These were Jewish people who were with him because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speak, speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus. Then they asked him to remain for some days. The Holy Spirit comes in with power and falls on these Gentiles. And God is making it really clear. I love all people groups all languages, all cultures, I made them. And because Jesus came to earth, Jesus is the central figure of all of history and him coming to earth and the work that he did on earth, his perfection in fulfilling the law and being a substitutionary sacrifice changes everything. It changes these signs that were being pointed in in Judaism about their need to go to the temple for their need to be a distinct people of God. Now he's saying, no, Jesus fulfilled all those things, and you can have access to God. Just go to Jesus. Everyone can now have access to God through Jesus. 
And the Holy Spirit shows that this is a real thing. They even had this mini Pentecost experience, right? People are speaking in tongues and they're praising God. And, and they're, they're, I mean, this is, this is like a, a mini Gentile Pentecost, what's going on here. It's really cool. God's showing up. And so for our, kind of as we think about this today, kind of one thing that really rises to the surface in the scripture is this idea that God is reaching people from every language and from every background. In fact, that if we're followers of Jesus Christ, we should care about the gospel message being preached and shown to everyone, regardless of what you look like, regardless of what you sound like, regardless of any of their backgrounds or where you were born. This, I mean, this is really clear. God wants the gospel to go to everyone. And so we as his followers, if we're followers of Christ, we want, we want that too. We've received this grace if we believe in Jesus. We've received this forgiveness. And so we want to then give it away to everyone. We want to tell people from all over the world, literally every people group, distinct culture, nation, language. God cares about people in different tribes around the globe who are sleeping right now because it's dark. He cares about that. He cares about them, and he's trying to reach them, and that's really our call. That's the Great Commission, to go make disciples of all nations, to be followers of Jesus who understand and receive the grace of God and forgiveness of God so that we could be a shining light to everyone around us, both here in La Habra and around the world. This passage should really kind of bring up, boy, am I a gospel to the nation's person? Do I care about, do I pray about, do I work on, do, am I involved with making sure that people outside of this area, people who are different than me, have access to the gospel? You know, one of the areas that we're involved in um, is in India. I've been on the India trip here with our church, and I remember going, and, and we, we were doing um, sharing of the gospel, and we needed translations, and I remember for the first time experiencing somebody who had never heard the name of Jesus Christ before. And I just didn't think they existed. <laughs> I just, it didn't even occur to me, of course people know about the idea, even the idea of Jesus. And that's not true. There are people where there's no church and there's no Bible and there's no present Christian witness in their town, in their land, that if they die today, they won't have Jesus. And it's, it's Stories like this that show that we should really preach the gospel to everyone and seek that it gets out to all nations. Let me keep reading um, to finish our story this morning. We're going to see actually in, verse, in uh, chapter 11 the story of how Peter sort of recounts this to the people who are there. And uh, he repeats the story. But I want us to focus on this kind of last group we have uh, Cornelius, the uh, God-fearer. We have Peter, who's the apostle. But then we have this group of Jews who are a little suspicious of this, a little criticizing. So let's read that. Verse 1 in chapter 11, it says, Now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea, these are Christians, who were Jewish, heard that the Gentiles also received the word of God. Oh, I heard about that mini Pentecost thing going on there. Verse 2, and when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him, saying, 
you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them? What are you doing, Peter? You can't do that. But Peter began and explained it to them in order. So he recounts the story, and I'm not going to read that for time. But pick it up in verse 15. And as he's, Peter speaking, as I began to speak, I, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as on us at the beginning at Pentecost. And I remembered the word of the Lord and how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Verse 17, if then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? When they heard these things, they fell silent. Translation, they were shut up. They go, duh. Verse 18, and they, look at the response. They glorified God, saying, then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. There's this group who was just like, what are you doing, Peter? You're not supposed to eat with them. You're not supposed to talk with them. You're not supposed to go in a Roman centurion's house. Big deal, enemy, not okay, Peter. And he goes, guys, you got to hear what happened. Pete Cornelius had a, a vision. I had a vision. They came together, rendezvous. Oh, my gosh. I'm like, I'm here. What's going on? And then the Holy, you know, he's like, he tells a story, and the Holy Spirit shows up and falls on them. And I, who was I to stand in God's way? And the group goes, oh, yeah. Who are we to stand in God's way? And unfortunately, um, as people and maybe as followers of Jesus, maybe we do have bias and prejudice and things that are in our life, in our hearts, that maybe get in the way of us loving with the love of God without distinctions. That we, you know, we just have preferences. You know, it's interesting thinking about our history as a, as a country and how we've dealt with racial reconciliation, we've dealt with ethnic issues. You know, we, we knew that there were Christians during the civil rights era who were wanted, I mean, it, actually, for most, for most of our history, if you're a Christian, let's say, I'll just put, let's identify with the white Christian experience right now. I'm guessing if you were a, right, a white Christian in the 50s and the 60s, you didn't have any problem with, with uh, black people, African Americans, getting saved and having churches. You were probably like, yes, we want people to get saved. Yes, we want people to be involved with church. We want people to experience forgiveness. But in their own churches, it seems here that the distinction is not the fact that you don't want people to be saved. It's that you're not willing to hang out and eat with them. And sometimes, unknowingly, Maybe we just live in such a way that actually, if you, if you examine our life, we're just only living with people who are just like us, who think like us, act like us, talk like us, who don't have a, an accent and say, carne asada. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just it's, it's natural. It's a blind spot often that we're not aware of. We just like people like us. And so maybe we're, we're being exposed to sensitivity here that if we're in the body of Christ, we're to love without distinction. In fact, we're supposed to eat and associate with people. That was such a big deal to eat at the same table. And so this morning, I want to ask us, 
Who might we be in this story? There's three main characters here. Who might you identify with or who might, what might the Spirit be doing to stir in maybe these three different character profiles? Are you number one? Are you Cornelius? Are you here this morning because you actually know about God? You think he's real? You actually think things like praying and going to church and, and being involved in, in religious and Christian things is a good thing. But the reality is you're not actually a part of God's family. Even though you're familiar with it, you might still be not fully involved in the people of God because you don't have Jesus. If you're here this morning and, and you like this church thing, you like these church people to a point, or maybe you're just checking it out, you, you understand God's real, but you need a life-changing relationship because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Did you know that God is speaking to you this morning? saying, you don't have to be on the outside. Jesus welcomes you in. Jesus says, come to me, who are weary, heavy laden. Come to me. I will accept you. I will forgive you of your sins. Just humble yourself before me. And if, if that's you, if you're struggling with that, if you're like, yeah, I know, I've been, uh, I've been, people have talked to me about being a Christian before, but I'm just, I'm just, I can't quite step across the line. Talk to somebody. Don't leave this morning. There, I'm sure there's overseers and there's deacons who would be available up front or sometime. Uh, to, if you did, don't leave this morning without talking to somebody because God is pursuing you, has been pursuing you. He loves you. And he wants to say, receive my forgiveness. Step into my kingdom. Be a child. Be forgiven. It's all available to you through Christ. Maybe this morning you're you identify more with Peter. Maybe you're a follower of Jesus already and you are trying to follow him the best you can, but you maybe have some hang-ups like Peter did. No, I'm not going to eat that. One more time. Go ahead and eat that. No, I'm not going to eat that. Last time, Peter. But the cool thing about Peter is he, he thinks about it. He's thinking about it. He's letting the Holy Spirit work on him and he gets to the point where he's just like, okay, I'm going to obey. I'm going to preach the gospel. I'm going to pursue people who aren't like me. I'm going to share my life with them so that they can have access to Jesus. Maybe you're like that. And if that's the case, I want to encourage you. Keep it up. Keep it up. Follow the voice of God. Read the scriptures and be like Peter. Obey God. Love people without distinction. Help other people to see the same, see that what's different or what's the same. Help people understand that the gospel matters to everyone. Maybe you're like this morning, this Maybe this critical Jewish group who's a little leery of people who are different than us. Maybe it's not so quick. Maybe you're like, I don't know if this, we should be doing this. I mean, there's a reason why I'm brown and you're not. You know, and so, you know what's interesting? This is such a huge blind spot. I'm not saying, you know, it just seems like every, nobody thinks they're a racist. I, I hope not to be, and I'm not accusing anyone in the room of being, but it's just, it's just one of those, it's just hard to see objectively whether or not we're doing things that are offensive or different. It's just hard to tell. But what's great and what's encouraging about this last group is even though maybe change or difference is, is something that you're maybe slow to in terms of accepting other people who are different, uh, like no, nobody's too far from the gospel of God. What is that last verse? In verse 18, it says this group, when they heard these things, they fell silent. 
And they glorified God, saying, then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. I pray that maybe if we, if that's a struggle for us, that we would have that same amount of grace, that we'd be able to move further along, to be able to love people without making distinctions. So would you pray with me? God, thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you for sending Jesus and how he fulfills all that we couldn't do. It's his gospel, his message, his life, his death, his resurrection that changes everything. Lord, and we want to follow that. So Lord, if there are people here who don't know you but are in the process and you're, you're pursuing them, Lord, may today be a significant part of their journey. Lord, if we are struggling to obey you, Lord, have your Holy Spirit teach us how much you love us without distinction. And Lord, if we are people who want to obey, Lord, encourage us to keep it up, keep going, to live like Peter did. It's in your name we pray, amen.